Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. It's Pride. Yes, it's Pride, 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 Pride Month. And that's all you're going to get from me, folks, this year. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, this is the first show of Pride, and I'm excited because I remember my first Pride And I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. But I was still in the closet. Just letting you all know, I was still in the closet when I went to my first Pride Festival. As if I was really pretending I wasn't who I was then. But I was kind of pretending that. And it was so interesting to be in that space because I wasn't sure I was ready to let everybody see who I was. I didn't want anybody to know what was happening. And I kept hiding and all this sort of stuff. And then once I realized, wait, this is going to be something that's going to help me kind of start to feel what it's like to be out and be who I am and the emotions that I experienced as a gay man, even then hiding in the closet. And then I started kind of becoming addicted in my own way to like, Ooh, can I sneak around and go somewhere else and do this? And and so this whole show is about a lot of things. I'm not going to give you all the preview, but we're going to go into like loving yourself, connecting with the right people, being yourself as we go out and celebrate pride. It's also going to be about somebody who I'm very blessed to have met, who we've developed a working friendship, uh, and I'm excited to bring him to you all. He is a performer. He's a speaker. He He's a cruise guy. I'm just saying, that doesn't mean he's cruising. Well, he kind of did, um, but he is a young guy that I've really begun to admire for where he is in his world and the things he's doing. His name is David Hull, and he is an aerialist and a speaker and a performer, as I've already said, and he's got a great story to share with us. And he's also a little nervous, I think. You know, it's like he'll strip down half naked and fly all over the place in in a performance, but he's like, okay, this is good practice for me. So, okay, David, it's your turn. Say hello to all the people. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Pride, everyone. How are you, Rick? I, I'm good. And I'm so glad that you're here, that we're doing this. I can't believe it's Pride Month. Number one, you know, wow, here we are again. This At 58 years old, these times come around quicker and quicker every year because, you know, I got one foot in the grave. Just kidding. Just kidding. But um, it's good. I remember my first Pride, I think I came out when I was 14. And oh, I shut up. I, just yeah. <laughs> No, but I think I was allowed to go to my first Pride at about 16 in Montreal. And I remember that being such a crazy, beautiful experience. Um, and I okay, so not only did that. he get to go, not only did he get to go at a very young age, he went to Montreal. I mean, shut yes. up, bitch. I'm like, you know what? No, we, we, I went there at an event. I, my, I'm from a small town and we, I had like these meetings every week with other um other kids like me and then we had an organized trip to pride montreal and it took everything Uh, to get my father to sign the waiver right uh he's retired army father so i remember the morning of i was wearing my pink shirt and my dad first thing he said was like do you have to wear the pink shirt (laughs) and i remember like just crying and i was like this is who i am 
Uh, but yeah, I remember my first Pride being amazing. And uh, I've been lucky to go to a few Prides around the world. So I'm happy awesome. it's Pride Month. And I hope that everyone has a good, safe, safe and healthy month uh, regarding to Pride. Because I think it's a great time to connect and to meet friendships that really last a lot, uh, lifetime. So happy Pride, everyone. So, you know, you painted a visual here of like, I had to get the permission slip and it was just a bunch of us youth. And I'm like, the first thing that came through my mind is like, oh, did they make y'all like hold hands as you went to Pride so you didn't get lost? Did you have like little wristbands and matching shirts so that you knew where your group was? This is just where us old guys' heads go. You know, it's like, oh, No, it was more like we, when she got there, we had like a little table because it was all about like these youth group connecting oh, uh-huh. and we had like, and then we were just like going there to, to meet the other groups from the, from Quebec and stuff. So, right. but the van was pretty cool, but everyone was so nervous. And oh, I'm sure. um, for a lot of us, it was like our first time in Montreal in a big city. So oh, wow. uh, like the first time seeing a drag queen, or just the first time seeing people without a shirt on or with the harnesses, like it was a crazy experience, but I really feel grateful that I was able to experienced that at a young age, even though it was a bit of a struggle with my father at the time, but mm-hmm. Hey, can't win them all. So what, which was more shocking, the drag queen or the harness? Since you brought it up, I'm going to go there. So um, I think to be honest, both, cause it was like in broad daylight too. And I was, oh, uh-huh. I wasn't old enough to go out in clubs yet. So right. I, I think I may have seen like back then, like RuPaul Drag Race on TV wasn't playing yet. So uh-huh. like to see like beautiful drag queen in the middle of the street at like one in the afternoon, I think that was alarming because I still had a lot of questions and I still sure. had to educate myself on what all of this was. Right. Uh, but I knew that it was a community that I was part of now. So it was it was really nice. But obviously I, I love also the, the leather uh, harness and everything. But it was, yeah, it was just odd to see outside because everything is like kind of put out of contact and it's just right. a crazy blend. Right. Um, yeah, and I was just behind my little table and just saying hello to people. And right. I think we were handing out like wristband, the name of our, oh, of uh-huh. our group, like trying to change the world. You know, <laughs> I, I remember that feeling too, but I was much older and I was, it wasn't at a pride. I mean, pr- my first pride was interest. Well, I'll, we'll get into that. But before I even went, you know, I got to think about How old this. were you at your first pride open? Like your first open pride, do you remember? <sighs> Well, the first part I went to before I was out, I would have been probably 34, 33, 34. And I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And I was with, so we were there for a trade show and it just happened that the trade show was there the weekend of pride. And I was with coworkers who later confessed to me that like, bitch, we knew you were gay. We were just trying to help you slowly get to where you were going. Right. And Atlanta pride was crazy. I mean, Oh my God, not crazy. Like, not like crazy. Like a lot of people think, I mean, these Southern bitches, they go all out. I mean, it's in this huge park and there's like, they set up these like individual tents. I mean, I, I was walking past one tent and it, they had like Persian rugs down. They had a baby grand piano in their tent. They had candelabras. I'm like, these girls know how to do this. Of course, I wasn't saying that because I was I was the straight guy. Like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, well, I can't yeah. believe you all drug me here. <laughs> and of course, my, you know, you know, I, I, yeah. I was just like, hey, this is. But yeah, it was so crazy because, man, they go all out. Now, I haven't been to Atlanta Pride since then. I mean, that was 1990, probably 96, 97. So it was quite a while ago. But it was it was so interesting to confront that in my own head 
Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm loving this. Now, the irony of that whole story is they take me. So we, we go walk through the park with, this was when the AIDS quilt was making the rounds. So we got to see that, that kind of broke me up a little bit because my uncle had passed away from AIDS um, prior to that. But then later that night, of course, we've been drinking all afternoon and I'm like, I'm trying to keep composed because I can't let anybody know that I'm gay. I'm really, no, I can't mm-hmm. because I got to keep my straight composure. Right. So then they take me to a gay bar and I'm like, okay, they're pretty drunk. I'm actually not as drunk as the rest of them, but the bartender, he was so hot. And I'm just, I'm just like, I know, they, they're always so beautiful. I don't they know why. Are they so beautiful. And he was like, it's you know, trap. he was, he was like, he had his shirt off and he had this beautiful furry chest. And, and I'm kind of sitting there cause I'm kind of like done drinking. I'm like, I I'm full. All right. The rest of them, they're like, and so my friend who had the one guy that I also was kind of in love with at, at work and I'm, I'm like high up the ladder and he's not mm-hmm. at the bottom, but if anything was going to happen, I shouldn't have been, you know, doing this with scandalous. any of them. Right. Yes. It would have been scandalous. He comes up to me and he, he like throws that gay arm around me over my shoulder. And he's like, you know, you want him, you know, I'm like, stop. I don't want him. What are you talking about? He goes, come on. And I'm like, well, you never know. I might try something like that. And he's like, oh, that was the worst straight guy voice I've ever heard. He <laughs> goes, you want him. I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, unbeknownst to me. The rest of the group had already talked to the bartender and he's like, who's your friend over there? Who's the, and by then I was already going bald, right? They're like, who's the bald daddy? I'm like, I'm 37 years old. I have kids. Okay. I'm our daddy. And and so they're all talking to him. Friend here is talking to me. And then suddenly he kind of, the bartender comes waltzing over and he goes, this one's for you, big guy. I'm like, I didn't order a drink. I don't want it. No, this one's for you. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll have a drink. Well, long story short, I get back to my hotel room and I'm like, oh, that was quite the evening. At about one o'clock in the morning, I hear this. I'm like, guys, go to bed, please. (laughs) We got to go to work tomorrow. I go to the door. Who do you think it is? It's the bartender. Really? How did he find you? They gave him my room number. (laughs) Oh my God, that's crazy. I'm like... How did you oh, react? How do you think I reacted? Hmm. <laughs> well, Let's it. just say that Great. one went into the history books. So, um, and that was, that was one of the, that, so that was my first pride and mm-hmm. um, it was interesting. And I immediately got very paranoid and very scared um, mm-hmm. because of course the next day we're all hung over, right? And we're on the trade show floor. I'm like, oh God, I just let this day be done for God's sake. And all I kept getting was these little innuendos like, so how'd you sleep last night? I'm fine. I slept fine. Really? You sure don't look like you? I'm like, I, I, and I, now years later, I confessed to all of them and they're like, we knew we were standing down the hall. We saw him go in your yeah. room, you know? But, um, but in the was, moment, you're just overthinking. Like I was, and, that you know, no one I knows. was married, and you know, had mm-hmm. kids, and I wasn't. It wasn't that. Two years later is when I finally like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to be who I am. So that was my first unofficial Pride Pride. My second yeah. Pride that, like, I really that I went to was Long Beach Pride in California. I think it was a Long Beach. Wait, do you do you still are you still in contact with the bartender? No, no, oh. that was a one night like. Scum. Okay. 
I mean, I mean, con- I mean, contact in like a very spiritual way. Like I know he's out there somewhere. Uh, I hope my husband's not listening to this one very closely. Uh, he knows the whole story though. It too. was a while ago. It's okay. It was, but um, it's interesting because then I get the Long Beach Pride, and okay, now I'm I'm officially out. I'm like, this is who I am. All that good stuff, and I'm freaking out mm-hmm. because I'm like, okay. I can actually be here. I don't have to be concerned. I don't know how to be with people here. And and by then I'm actually with my husband, who's just my boyfriend at that time. But there were moments of like, ew, really? What are they doing? And I remember the first, and I don't know, I don't know why this didn't stick out in Atlanta, because I'm sure there must have been guys walking around and chaps Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. But I remember the first booth that I came to at Long Beach Pride and there's this guy in chaps and you know a jock strap and nothing else on I just like are you kidding it's the middle of the day okay Mm -hmm. nighttime do that or on a porno I had a real like mixed up emotion around that because I realized how much I was still uncomfortable in my own skin as a man Mm -hmm. as a gay man and yet as I started to like see other stuff like oh wow so i like you here's a drag queen i'm like well wait isn't that supposed to only be in the bar isn't that supposed you know there were these different elements of gay life that was playing out in front of me at pride and i realized how my internalized homophobia was showing up Mm -hmm. but it also is what helped me start to really start to deal with my own emotions around being gay and being out and all that sort of stuff so um yeah sometimes when you're you're exposed to actually the extremes yes. of the community. Like at first you it definitely takes the time to navigate that. And it takes patience, which often we don't give ourselves at the beginning of a new chapter. Mm-hmm. And the sexuality is something that is so complex and it's um, and like, it's always changing too. Right. Um, but it's important to like to, to respect everyone's choices. But I was just think too, I had like internalized homophobia also, uh, even when at a younger age, I was like deciding like what tribe I'm in, but also like, right. it doesn't really matter. Cause like every relationship I've been in have been completely different one. Like there's not one person that's similar. Um, and I feel like we, we often miss out on beautiful things because we think that, um, mo- mostly for show, like we're like, Hey, we we come out as gay, but then we also want to be like, uh, an okay kind of gay so like oh i'm not into that i'm not into that but at the end of the day that's also just going to hinder you in the long run because mm-hmm. when you're really at peace with yourself it doesn't matter if that person's wearing chaps or if that drag queen is there on the grass like dancing right. no but like i think those are good indicators to know like why is it bothering you and i think that's yeah. a question that especially gay men we don't ask ourselves as much because even within the community and i think with it being pride month we sometimes don't realize that um, the connections we currently have in the community sometimes don't actually serve us because we tend to have a group of friends that resemble us. And obviously sometimes you try to to branch out and stuff, but it takes courage to really ask yourself like, Hey, do I, do I like that? Am I interested in it? And also to allow yourself the chance to try it out because it is possible to try things out in a healthy and a mature way and I think that's I don't know I think that's for pride especially for the people that it's their first pride I feel like obviously go to the bars go to the events that's amazing 
But beyond that, like, I feel like pride should be every day in the sense that Mm -hmm. you should have pride in yourself, pride in your self-care, pride in taking the time to realize what actually makes you vibrate. Like, why are you waking up in the morning? Who are you? Um, But yeah, it's because I feel like now with the more I look back, I still go to pride. I still love it. But it's also parts of it seem so superficial now. Mm -hmm. We need to remember like why it started. And like, we're so lucky now that we get to like in Canada and the United States, like some of my friends under contract around the world, like they can't even come out in their countries because it's illegal. Like right. that's, that's actually awful, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, but I think so, you're bringing up some interesting points here, David, because there's an element of pride too, that pride can bring up a lot of emotions and, and pride because, uh, okay, let's just go there. Pride can also bring up like this insatiable, like, oh, let's just drink and party, have a good time, get stoned out of our brain. And yet for some people, that's actually the thing. And I'm not saying pride starts this, folks. I'm just going to, I'm saying it from a space of this can be suddenly the way, oh, this is how we show up in the community. No, it doesn't have to be the way you show up. There's people who are like, well, if you don't go to pride, you haven't lived as a gay person. Well, I don't believe that either. I think you can go to pride. That doesn't mean you have to, here's the checkbox. This is how you get a A plus on your, you know, gay, gay, you know, grade card. But I also think sometimes what we bring to these events is also the thing. And then you just said it really beautifully can be the damage too. It's like, mm-hmm. go celebrate pride, be prideful. But does that mean you have to drink? Does that mean you have to do drugs? Does that mean you can be in pride in your own way? And I know, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but in your own addiction recovery space, some people would say, well, how do you go to pride? How can you do that? Because they've created this box that pride is this pride is you have to have drinks. You have to do this. You have to, you know, whatever I, there's been times I've gone to pride where I'm like, yeah, I'm in and out and I'm done in an hour. Cool. It was fun. I think I had a drink and I was out of there, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I wouldn't even, I shouldn't say I wouldn't go to pride now. I don't go to pride because we live in the middle of quote unquote, I shouldn't say live in the middle of nowhere because all my neighbors who listen to this be like, we do not live in the middle of nowhere. Our city is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful city, but it, you know, our pride festival is really small, but I think this is the beauty of starting to realize, okay, what, what does pride mean to you? What's the purpose behind it for you? not for the community of people you may be going with and ask yourself, what did it do for you or what has it done to hurt you too? So. Yeah, no, it- I think that that's a great, like, I feel it's great to um, remind ourselves that we kind of get bored of the same thing. And for example, my first few prides uh, when I was legal and able to party I started partying, like I love to party. I'm a very uh, extreme person and very addictive personality. And in my early twenties, I was able to party hard and then still go to work and still maintain a somewhat balanced life. But I remember when I was 21 years old, um, it was after just a crazy weekend of partying. And I remember sitting myself down and just like looking at myself in the mirror and I, I looked awful. And I, I remember saying, oh, I wish I could have fun without drinking and without the drug. And I remember thinking and like being, oh, I would be so fun to meet people that we could still have fun, but without having to feel like this now for days. And that's when I first realized that I had a huge problem with alcohol and drugs. And 
within my family too, there's a lot of alcoholism, um, but I was just not educated on it. And also I think society still does this glorifies drinking and drugs, but for certain people, like for me, I'm a recovering addict. I wish I would have known. I was a good kid in school. I've always worked hard, but I never knew how dangerous alcohol and drugs actually were based on who I am and based on my personality type. And it literally took me 10 years, like most of my twenties, my early twenties were not that bad, but my from 25 to 30, like I, I don't remember that much. And I traveled the world. I worked for some of the biggest companies, but I was struggling inside because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And there comes a time too, where you feel so lonely that some of my worst prides and obviously these were my choices because also you, you decide to go where your um, desire goes. Cause you can fully sure. do a sober pride and there's activities at 10 in the morning. There's, there's amazing things. You just don't choose to go to those things, you know, right. but it took me so long uh, to finally hit rock bottom. And then my first pride sober was one of the most beautiful ones because it was kind of full circle. And it was also no matter what you go through, the community will always be there. Right. But also it's so easy to get lost in the community because I feel like, uh, well, for me, I was such a, so good at pretending that I didn't have a problem, especially when you're the funny one, like, Oh my God, David was so funny last night. He like fell off the chair again. I'm like, yeah, but what people don't know is I would go home and keep drinking, you know? And I think it takes a lot of, well, it takes, I sometimes I feel lucky that my extremes got, um that it like almost stopped my life i had to be hospitalized i went to rehab it got really dark but i'm so thankful in a sense that i have this second chance at life because for a lot of people i feel like they have addiction problem but it's a lot more subtle but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's nonetheless devastating because right. it's not normal to need to have three drinks in order to have a real conversation with someone at the bar it's okay once in a while but even right. like i have a lot of my gay friends that like their first sexual experience they were completely blackout drunk but right. and then we talk about it, we laugh about it but then when you actually think about it it's like that's that's not nice and it's it's a cycle that repeats itself because at the end of the day it's very hard to be just who you are when me- meeting other people because yes you might get rejection and also i feel like i still go out to clubs now and i, I don't party I will never drink and do drugs again, but there's still a way to, to navigate Enjoy and grow. And that's right. my thing. Exactly. Like you, as you will um, get older, as your goals change, you're able to like, I call it shedding. Like you're just shedding what you don't need. It's like this baggage right. that we carry around and it's so heavy and we don't need that. So that's what I, like, I hope for pride for everyone that's listening. It's like, you're allowed to let go of things that don't serve you anymore because at the end of the day, like you don't have, you don't owe anyone anything. No? Right. And well, I but I think there's a correlation here that you're bringing up that a lot of people don't realize is we have been so shamed for being mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ community. So then as we take that shame on and not everybody, okay. So not everybody goes and becomes an addict per se. Yeah. I hate to say this. Every one of us is an addict in our own way whether that addiction is alcohol, drug use, sex, whatever it is, or you're addicted to sitting in front of the TV every night instead of doing something that may be more, you know, better for you. But because of that shaming we've experienced, it's really hard to move forward. So for all of you listening to this, as we kick off pride month, 
Some of you are going to feel the shame of showing up at Pride and going, I'm showing up at Pride, but I actually, I really can't afford to even come into Pride, but I'm doing this because you're feeling the shame of like, I'm okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what my circle of friends, and I'm not blaming your friends, but this is where we have been shamed so much that if we don't do this to fit in, we're going to, again, feel that shame. So David, you could be feeling that shame. Like if I don't, if I, okay, if I go to the bar and even though I'm in recovery, I, I could potentially feel shame for not doing it like everybody else does it. But in your own way, I'm sure you're still enjoying dancing. I'm sure you're still enjoying being with friends. It's just how you do the bar is different than how you used to do the bar. Exactly. And also you make your own rules. Like there definitely are times where I go, I'll commit to going meeting friends and I get there and I'm like, Oh my God, not today. And I literally just leave. Yeah. like, right. you don't, you don't owe anyone anything. No. And that's something that took time for me too. to like, I used to, especially at the beginning of my sobriety journey, like over explain everything I was doing. Cause I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that I was still sober. But then after like, that's exhausting too. Cause I, I would like mm-hmm. message people early in the morning to be like, Oh, like I'm off to the gym. But then also like, that those are things that I was making up in my head because like these people are have their lives or they're going on. Sorry, there's like a cra- crazy ambulance noise. Can you hear That's that? That's okay. Yeah, it is crazy. It's all good. It's crazy. It's the first like summer day in Montreal. Um, but yeah, no. So um, where were I going with this? I was just saying that you make your own rules, and if you feel uncomfortable with certain things, like my first pride too, I remember going to some things some uh some of the events and I wasn't didn't feel comfortable and you're okay it's okay to feel uncomfortable and it's actually amazing to realize and have that self-awareness because honestly I feel like most people sometimes will stay up in and put themselves through things just by fear of not fitting in or by fear of um letting someone else down you know but yep. pride is so much more than uh, I pride is every day for me and also mm-hmm. um I challenge everyone that's listening, like to try to make a meaningful connection through pride. Cause it's so easy. You'll meet like hundreds of people, ask people's Instagram, like, connect with them after stay in touch. Like th- those are, especially when you meet people from different cities, it's so nice to, to connect with them. And then like you can literally change your life if you network correctly, you know? Well, and this is how you start to surround yourself with people that can build you up too. And the more we, you know, we, the more we have people around us that help build us up. And I'll, I remember, okay, yes, back to the Atlanta Pride where I was like hiding who I was. But then I went to Pride in Long Beach and then I showed up at, at Pride a little bit more. The irony was that each time I kind of showed up in my own way, being in that environment, just as, hey, this is who Rick is, okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I became so much more confident as a gay man wasn't just pride. It wasn't just the one day a year, the one weekend a year that we went or the number of prides that you went to because living in Southern California, we do Long Beach, then we do LA, then we do San Diego. And then at the end of the year, we do a marathon. It's a marathon. Right. And you know, God knows if you don't have all those check boxes, like they look at each one you come to, did you attend Long Beach? Oh, well, then you didn't attend Long Beach. I mean, you can't come to LA. Yeah, right. No, just kidding. <laughs> we're kidding. They don't do that, folks. They don't check at the gates. I promise no, you. No, we're kidding. We're kidding. But um, it, it is one of those things that the more I started like allowing myself to be there and be there in my own way, the more comfortable I felt in my own skin. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, even just kind of walking through prides at time. I remember the first time, okay. So back to long beach and, and kind of seeing the first leather booth, which I'm was like, Oh my God, that, that just scared the shit out of me. Like really mm-hmm. now I have leather, leather friends that I, I love to just hang with. And now I can be at a pride and like, okay, there's some guy sitting there with his ass hanging out his chaps and, Hopefully his ass is sitting on my knee, hanging out his chops, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, it, it just happens to be one of those things that I can see how much more comfortable I am. Not that everybody has to be comfortable with chaps. We're not saying that either people we're trying to give yeah, you yeah. examples here about you start to step into being really comfortable with these things and seeing yourself, you know, and really owning yourself and loving yourself and letting the emotions of who you are as a gay man or a lesbian or bi or trans or whomever because there is no one way to do this there's multiple ways to be who you are in the world and i think as i've gotten to know you david over the you know the the one hour we've known each other i'm kidding folks i'm kidding (laughs) Uh, we just met online we just did he 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 messaged me (laughs) on hotdaddies.com and said hey you have a podcast i want to be on there um as i've gotten to know him i've seen this beautiful side of you that's like you are truly carving your own, your own path. And I, and I'm curious that as you started to come into, I'm going to say this and I don't mean to offend anybody, but as you came into your own clarity out of addiction, how much more confidence did you gain in yourself, even in what you do in your work, because you were traveling the world doing your work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, clarity is a great world, uh, word. I feel like um, before I acknowledged that I had a problem, because I, I, I've reached rock bottom. I call it rock bottom before it was rock, rock bottom, because I kept going for a bit until it was almost too late. Once I started to um, get professional help and like want to to have a second chance at life. I had a failed suicide attempt and it was such a big eye-opening moment where I just scared the shit out of myself. And I wanted to, for me, it was very like, I changed instantly. Obviously I'm still in therapy and it's going to take the rest of, I'm always going to be in therapy, but I just wanted to not waste one more minute. And I also, the amount of loneliness, I, I realized how much I, after I stopped, um, drinking, doing drugs, you have all these emotions that you haven't dealt with in 10 years. So it was like, mm-hmm. either my mother passed away when I was a teenager, and then all these other things were coming resurfacing. And it was, and even just me being gay, I was like replaying all the kind of relationships I had in my life. And I was like, oh my God, like this, this is not okay. It was so self-destructive. And um, even to this day, some, sometimes I have days that it's harder because you, you, you really, it's like the shame of coming out, but also the shame of being an addict it's something I never thought I would, I never thought I would have ended up where I was, but on the flip side, now I'm almost three years completely sober and I'm the happiest I've ever been. I have like this mission and this drive to help anyone out there that's listening right now that sometimes feels hopeless and helpless because I realized I never actually wanted to die. I just wanted to not be the person I became. And unfortunately that takes time to undo and when you're at the bottom, it's it's like one of the darkest places on earth, you know, even once you start doing your recovery plan. 
Um, so I was like, one day I'll get out of here and I'll be able to share all my recovery discoveries with people and also talk about it on, on a, in a funnier way too, because I have so many funny stories about being in rehab and just, it's just a lot, but also a lot of us have people in our lives that are, are addicts on different level, but I feel like it's, we never talk about it or we, right. we don't know how to approach them. And like, sometimes I had to like go of this too, but it's not my friends or family's fault. But I was like, why did no one talk to me when I was like 22, 24, when clearly I had a problem, mm-hmm. but that's also part of accepting everything. You are responsible for your life. Like everyone that's listening now, your life right now is a series of choices you made over the years. And if, and if you're happy right now, that's awesome. But also, even if you are happy, you have to keep on making good choices. But the good news too is if you're unhappy right now, we live in a time where you can actually get help for everything. Even if it's online, if you're trying to go to therapy, you can literally do stuff online from your house. And I urge everyone, even if you don't think you have that big of a problem, it doesn't need to be like, I'm addicted to hard drugs. It can literally be like to help you communicate better, to help Mm -hmm. you let go of things that you don't, that doesn't serve you anymore. And I feel like therapy is something that is, shouldn't, should be normalized. I feel like there's still a yep. taboo around it. And, the, and the, the friends I have now, it's, we're always, we always talk about our therapy sessions now. So it's very normal, but right. um, obviously clarity is something that you need in life because before you know it, 10 years go by and you don't recognize the person you've become and you haven't set goals. You have a life that doesn't mean anything to you. And, I just think it's important to make every day count um, and also realize that you actually have the potential to change someone's life with your actions and your message, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm going with my public speaking. I'm doing it for, even if someone's listening today and I inspire them to get help or inspire them that it will get better. That's such a phrase that we hear all the time, but I was literally $26,000 in debt. I had lost everything, um, fell out of, huge contracts and had a just was not in a good space and within a few years i was able to rebuild myself and obviously i um my friends know this my i'm a very hard worker and i take things very seriously but also now i've learned to manage my emotions in a healthy positive way i started writing songs and recording songs everyone go check out my youtube channel Mm -hmm. but i feel like there there's we each have two sides you know like you either are going to do life be courageous, do things that make you feel uncomfortable and always move forward. Or you're going to stay comfortable, talk about other people instead of talking about ideas. And I feel like every day you have the choice to start over and to, to decide to live a life that's worth living. And I feel like that is pride also. Have mm-hmm. pride in the chance you have to create a life that you once dreamt of, you know? Right. Um, well, but you, also- you, mentioned, you mentioned that though, when you said, you know, with your suicide attempt and you realize you wanted to have a second chance at life. And to me, this is what another aspect of pride. The moment we, we choose to come out of the closet, we're choosing to have a second chance of life. We're Mm -hmm. choosing not to live a false life. Now I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast. They're like, I'm not, anywhere close to coming out. I'm not insinuating you have to come out to have a second chance at life. Your version of coming out could be, I'm going to accept that I know this is who I am. I'm just not there yet. 
Okay, that's giving yourself a second chance. Just that acknowledgement that I know I'm gay or bi or trans or lesbian or whatever, whatever that is, non, you know, gender nonconforming. I don't care. Just the acknowledgement says I'm giving myself a second chance to now move a little bit. And it's so amazing when we have these second chances, as you've shared, David, that there's also something that we become our own cheerleader. And we also take responsibility for where we are because then we can start to make moves. We can step forward and everybody has these beautiful moments. And I've had numerous conversations around this, but when we talk about the pride, it's an event, but the pride within is a lifetime. Mm -hmm. What are you most proud of on your journey right now, man? I'm the proudest that um, I did a lot of this journey on my own. And um, I think anyone that's listening, when you go through something challenging and you're, you're on your own, um, you, you're faced with like the deepest, darkest part of you. Um, and once you're able like, to confront those and name them and also, because they'll always be there. But I, I'm... I'm happy that I'm not ashamed to say that I'm an alcoholic and um, I used to be a drug addict because I realized too, when I came out, being gay was the biggest thing in my, in my life. I was so, it was so traumatic to me to say it, but also being gay, being a drug addict, being an alcoholic, it's like a, a small part of our personality. We have so much going on. Um, and it, it doesn't define you. It's it's just literally accepting that it's it's one of the many colors you have. And I think that's when I shifted my mindset, it made me feel like, because I remember going to AA meetings and after I would talk to my brother and I'm like, oh, I'm not like these people. Like, I was like so embarrassed to go. And he was like, I'm not saying that you're like these people, David, but you guys have one thing in common. But these people, like some of them have families, some of them are doctors, some of them are lawyers, like it's, it's crazy that even like after overcoming everything, I was still judging myself and feeling so embarrassed because I, I saw it as a weakness um, when in fact your weaknesses are also kind of what makes you the most special. Um, so I'm the proudest that I'm finally like not embarrassed of who I am. And even as a gay man, it took me a while to just to be like a young, well, yeah, I'm getting old now, but like to be like, healthy oh shut uh, up you're not i think well i would i've had two acl surgeries as a first performer so i feel like parts of me are very old uh, um but i guess i'm the proudest to not be ashamed of who i am and also um i truly feel like every day i'm doing the most i can to mm -hmm. to make the most of it you know because i look at i realize that time also like the older you get time becomes more and more precious and like smaller things now like smaller events or make me happy and i feel like i'm i'm proud of how self-aware i am you know mm -hmm. that's a huge um, piece also, of the puzzle yeah yeah being self-aware and also allowing yourself to ask for help i think yeah i think that's actually what i'm the proudest is like i know when i need to ask for help still mm -hmm. um instead of waiting too long and i think that like we're you're not supposed to go through everything alone and for a long right. time i did I, I probably well it's so funny I'm just contradicting myself I was like I'm proud I did everything alone but also I feel like there's a time period for every chapter in your life you know and I think it's important to 
allow the shift to happen naturally because that's what it's all about. Seasons, they change and you have to be, you have to let it, you have to let go and go with the flow, you know? But you just said something really, really valuable. You finally said something valuable. Just call it out. No, I'm kidding. Thank you. 25 minutes in. 20, 25, <laughs> bitch. It's almost been an hour. But anyway, you just said something really important. My first language is French. Yes, I know. I, I, I can't speak French. We already had that conversation the other day when I, I mean, we're not going to go into that either. But um, you did say something really interesting here. Like, you just contradicted yourself about being alone and going there, but yet you asked for help. And I'm going to agree with you on both fronts because we have to go through some of this alone to be able to learn how to ask for help. And sometimes if we ask for too much help, we're not giving ourselves the room to go through some stuff that we need to go through alone so that we can grow. And so it's, it's, you get both sides, you get the yin and the yang. Of, I've seen a lot of, Okay, so in in my world of guys who come out in midlife and ladies, but mostly since I work with guys in midlife, they've been married. They had the familial unit around them. So as soon as they come out, they got to go get a man. Okay, we all want a man. Let's be, you know, that we wouldn't be gay if we didn't want a man, right? But they don't give themselves the period of time to be with themselves, they don't have that time. And what's interesting, and I've talked about this before, so I won't take a lot of time with this, but a lot of these guys went immediately from high school or college, latched on to the woman they're currently married to, didn't have any other dating experience. And then suddenly they come out of being, quote, heterosexual into their gay life and immediately want to latch on to the first guy that comes along. They haven't had time to be with themselves. They haven't had time to grow. They haven't taken the time to say, hey, can somebody help me understand how to do this thing? And then they wonder why a a month, six months, a year, two years into this relationship they like latched onto and are holding onto for dear life isn't working out. It's because they become addicted to being with someone. Mm -hmm. They can't be alone. They don't know how to be alone. So it's, I know I just did a really masterful job of tying that all together, didn't I? I brought the addiction, all that together because I, you know, I typed out the script before we got on, which I keep telling you, that's what you got to do to be a speaker. I'm kidding. You don't have to do that to be a speaker, but I think it's interesting to see how we all do have these interesting little addictions. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we wonder why we're in pain or why we're suffering or why we're anxious. And yet if we stepped away from it and go, okay, but what am I consistently doing? Addiction is consistently doing the same thing. It's constantly doing the thing that's bringing you pain. It's constantly saying, this is going to make me feel better. And um, I know it. I've been there. Uh, It wasn't drugs or alcohol. Close. Um, I wouldn't actually 100% say I was a sex addict, but pretty damn close. And when I realized that doesn't work, I'm still working through some of that from time to time. It's like consuming, Mm -hmm. but one of the best things I ever did was a ask for help. And the other best thing I did was kind of put myself in a space of, nope, you, no sex, no sex for a while. Mm -hmm. It killed me, not literally, but it, it did in its own way because I was rebirthing myself and starting over. And one of the things I love about the conversations you and I have had, um, 
most of the time, except for the last 50 minutes, where you really didn't say shit that was good until the last five minutes, man, uh, is that you have found that beautiful space of like, this is the beauty of starting over. This is where that power lies. So in the little bit of time we have left here, what would be one of the benefits you would share with the audience? What's one of the best things you got out of starting over? Is just allowing myself to have a new perspective on what's currently possible. I, I lived in for a long time in the past. Um, and that's something that's um, very challenging. Um, not knowing how to let go of a part of you that is no longer there. You know, I'm a completely different person now than I used to be when I was using. Um, and starting over also means that the days that I have these weird flashbacks, or I feel like I'm still that person. Um, starting over means like allowing myself space to think, allowing myself um, the grace to, to let go of that. And also remind myself that you can have healthy addiction in the sense that uh, when I create music, when I choreograph dances, when I, I'm working on developing a deeper connection with people that inspire me, um, that's part of starting over because starting over is not just a, a one-time thing. You have to show up every day for it. And I think that's what I'm, that's what I like the most about my whole theme of starting over is we all kind of start over every day. And also not every day is going to be a life changing moment, right. but also for me, it's something that helps because I'm all about the one day at a time, but also starting over, it gives me kind of the permission it's, it's so weird to say that but as an adult like why do you need someone else's permission to try something that makes you feel good and at the end of the day i do feel like we all just want connections that mean something that's all we want that's all that pride is about is letting we just want to be who we are and not feel judged but also once you're happy by yourself one of the best next step is starting over with someone else and sharing your journeys together and I think that's that's what I'm the proudest to have been able to meet people that are amazing. And um, I've, if I didn't make the choice to get help and also now I'm sharing my story and it's so healing for me and I'm going to keep doing it for the rest of my life. And I um, really, if anyone is listening right now, they're struggling with addiction is I know that it's the hardest step to, to acknowledge it and to ask for help, but um, you can do it because I was in a really, really rough rough patch and um yeah i start over every day and i think we deserve the chance to start over because we are we're all we all have so much to give and to wrap this up too with pride month too like we it's still there's still so much we have to fight about just to be a gay man you know it's not we've come a long way but there's still so much we can do so if you're your part in the community can, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be in a thong on the, on the parade boat. You can, it's super fun, but also you can get involved. There's so many things that you can help, uh, especially younger people or even people that are coming out later in life. I feel like we need to just stick together and also right. just do better. That's what I do to myself every day. Like start over, just be a bit better than yesterday. And I think that's how you, you your dreams get realized, you know? Well, he said it like he runs the podcast. He brought us full circle. I didn't even tell him he had to do that. But um, you're so you're so 
positive David and how you speak. And I love that. And I'm, I'd love that from the first time I got to coach you as a, as a speaking coach. And like, I saw the fire, I saw that depth and I do hope that anybody who's listening to this, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're, they might be walking around pride, man, somewhere listening to this, you know, and then they're going to turn to somebody walking by and say, Hey, hey bitch, you need to listen to these two. They know what they're talking about, you know, but um, I think it's important to like give that moment to yourself each and every day to say, okay, today's a new day today. I don't just cause it's a new day. I don't have to go prove anything, but today's a new day. And um, I don't think we do that enough addiction or not. And again, I'm going to tell y'all, every one of you is addicted. Just, just go, just embrace it. You're, you're, mm-hmm. we're all addicted to something. I happen to be addicted to like just doing podcasts. So there it is. I'm going to do these things till I die. I've already ordered one for my little wheelchair when I'm in the nursing home, go make sure I'm get to do my, my podcasts there. So, um, but anyway, so David, this has been really fun, buddy. I'm so glad you hit me up on the app and said, daddy, can I be on your podcast? Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I'm very grateful for this. It's been great. And also, if the if the the bartender is listening, please reach out. We want to do an episode with you. <laughs> oh God! Everybody wants to know the bartender. Everybody wants to meet the bartender. I mean, he's got to be my he's got to be my age or older. Now that could mean he he is a really please hot daddy. Out. Who knows? Who knows? He might be like we might have him on the podcast and go. Ooh, that was worth every bit. Um, but um, no, and everybody, we hope you go out and have a wonderful pride. Be be yourself. Go enjoy it. Go enjoy it your way. Do it the way that makes you feel alive and brings you happiness and joy. And um, more than anything, just keep waking up every day and saying, it's another day I get to do what I want to do. So anything else? I think we've covered everything, right, David? No, that was great. I'm wishing everyone a happy pride and can't wait to, to be back. Yeah, exactly. That would be fun. So, all right, everybody, happy pride. Go out there, enjoy yourselves, be yourselves and come back in another week. We'll have another episode of pride celebration stuff going on. So thanks for listening and um, go out there and dump your excuses, face your fears and live your unapologetic uncloseted life. Hey, 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 life uncloseted family. Another episode of life uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.